This week on Inside Motorsport, it's part two with Adrian Mussolino on the Australian Grand Prix in Adelaide. I hope you'll stay with us. Last week we found out from Adrian Mussolino that there was an entire photo library in the South Australian Library of the Adelaide Grand Prix. We pick up the story now on how Adrian has had efforts to get those photos out into the public once more. I approached the State Library and they said, well actually the um, Bernie Eccleston owns the copyright and this was around the time that Bernie Eccleston sold Formula One to Liberty Media so I told them that and then well, they said well if you can get the clearance from them then you can have access to them so I went to the Australian Grand Prix Corporation Melbourne and um, with Liberty Media and we got that clearance thankfully obviously it sort of doesn't affect them as long as we're not portraying the sport in a negative light they don't really care what we do so I but didn't my understanding was they said, well, we don't own them either. Yeah, exactly. Which then made them officially orphaned. Exactly. And so the State Library sort of realised that, well, we could actually look at them. So I've, it's been a long process. There's um, 169 boxes of slides with um, 20 pages of 20 slides on each page. <laughs> so I think I've, it's 60,000 plus images, which I've been working through steadily. And that's... That's held up the book because it's such a long process, but the archive, the material in there is stuff that I'd never seen and a lot of it I don't think has been seen by the public, certainly not since 96. So um, it's a long process to look through them. I'm working with the library to digitise them and they'll be in the book. It's been a timely and costly process, but I think the end result is going to be incredible. And it's been great to share some of those images, almost like a teaser on the social media page. And without that archive, I don't think I could have done the book. There's also been some other interesting things that have come across where there was almost like a jigsaw puzzle on a wall in the office that was going to get thrown out but yeah, ended uh, up in someone else's garage. Absolutely. Uh, part of this process as well, I came across um, someone who worked in the office who had poster-sized aerial images of the race from 87 from memory and just, you know, 15 of these large-scale images which show detail which I'd never seen. And I know within the State Library Archive there's the trophies and the tyres just sitting there. So <laughs> when the book eventually comes out, hopefully we can do something around that to get them out and as part of a launch or something. Because, yeah, there's all this material. It's actually been great to see people come onto the Facebook page and the social media to, you know, oh, I've got this in my garage or, you know, I own the left rear tyre from Nelson Piquet's Lotus from 1989 or something and it's been great it's, it's sort of brought up a lot of things which and I've definitely learnt a lot through this process there's some things I had no idea about but um, yeah. What's been the most startling thing revelation that you've uncovered without spoiling the book of no, course? No um, the, the, the biggest has been how the bid progressed and just the track design itself and I'd never seen the original track layouts and I don't think many people have and they're incredibly different from what ended up and I think people forget that what we now know as the Grand Prix and the Adelaide 500 track based in Victoria Park it wasn't always a certainty that they could use Victoria Park so they had to go around the city and that would have been a very different street circuit more like what we see in America um, what makes Adelaide unique is that combination of parkland and city. And being on the edge of the city meant that it didn't actually stop the city from operating. Exactly. I'm sure a lot of Adelaideans have memories of 
well, still have memories of when uh, the Adelaide 500 runs, of annoyance of having to divert their morning commute. Yep. But it didn't actually bring the city to a halt. No, and that's the beauty, and that's actually thanks to Colonel Light's vision for, um, he was the surveyor and town planner of Adelaide back in the day. Um, and it was his vision to surround the city by parklands that made that possible. So I made sure there's a chapter in the book about Adelaide history that focuses on Colonel Light and the foundation of the city because without that, it would have been just a run of the mill street circuit. And as we've seen in America, they don't often work as well. And I think that's the secret to Adelaide's success is as you said, it's. It's on the fringe of the city, but it's in the city and it's within its own sort of section of the parklands. You mentioned one of the mechanics loved Adelaide so much he moved here, mm. but I know that you've spoken to people from all over the world yes. and you've gathered some of their memories about Adelaide and what's been their thoughts, having 20 years now or more, to reflect on having come to Adelaide and experienced well, this Grand Prix. Everyone's so fond of it. There's not really been a bad word and there's often been just almost like the rose tinted glasses come <laughs> out and they just loved it. They loved the event, they loved the city, they loved how it made them feel. It was especially nice to hear from David Bratham and Alan Jones having you know raced in Formula One and traveled the world that how proud they were as Australians that this event put on such a great show and was so accommodating. That's definitely been the overwhelming feeling and it, it's nice to hear because for the Grand Prix, people hadn't really heard of Adelaide. It was a very different city to what it became after. And again, that's part of the reason I wanted to do the book because it it almost helped spark this sort of social and cultural revolution in the city that you see today with major events. So it's been great to hear from a few people, especially as I said, from people overseas who never heard of the city. That, that's been the funny thing. I think one of my favorite quotes is Bernie Eccleston said, if he wanted to do a Grand Prix at a road course or permanent facility in Australia, he'd do it at Brands Hatch and put kangaroos in the middle and call it the Australian Grand Prix. He said, you know, it needs to be something special within a city and that's what Adelaide did. Did anyone talk about what they thought the legacy is to Formula One of what Adelaide did? Because Adelaide won best Grand Prix yes. so many times. I've, I think it could have been even eight out of 11 Grand Prix, they were the best, they were considered the best circuit. Or what did Adelaide do that now is commonplace in yeah, Formula One? The two two main factors were, or two key ones that keep coming up was one of the concerts after the race, which is now just standard for most marquee events, including supercar events, you know, that's just standard. And that's something that developed over time in Adelaide. It was 1987 when they had Crowded House after the concert. That was the real first real post-race concert. This was to manage crowd control too. Yes. It was a, a, an Edward de Bono idea of we can't have, what it was at 90,000 or 100,000 yep. people all flood into the city at the same time. Yep. So if we put a concert on, some people will stay for the concert, some people will leave, yep. and we'll have a trickle effect back into the city, uh, which will exactly. be more manageable for cafes and, and parking and traffic. Yeah, and what they saw in the first couple of events was people would come into the city to hang around. So, you know, Rundle Street became the hub of activity and there were, it was closed off and there were parties. So the organisers thought, well, let's take advantage of this and do our own thing, which is why the <laughs> concerts developed. So something that could, people could hang around the facility and it grew from there to the point that by the end it was, you know, big international acts like Bon Jovi and um, Cher and, all, and the likes. And so that was one of the major ones that's just now standard practice. The other was the, um, the paddock club above the pits. And the only reason that happened in Adelaide was they sold out 
the corporate facilities in the main grandstand. So that we need to put the corporates and VIP somewhere and the Premier as well. So they thought, well, why don't we do another floor above the pits and have that? And that's how that developed. And now again, that's just the standard where the sort of, you know, the paddock clubs of the world are held. So, um, and you know, things like the minute by minute schedule and the support categories and it all evolved in Adelaide. And again, it's now, we just take that for granted that it's just, that's the norm. Now, Premier John Bannon passed away before you started on the book. Have you been able to capture any of his involvement, either directly through things he might have said publicly and on yes. the public record, or through secondhand conversations with, I was in this meeting when yes, um, he, he did this? Or Thankfully, the John Bannon archive exists at Flinders University in South Australia, so a, a lot of his sort of um, materials from when he was Premier is there, which has helped a lot, but also some of his key political allies, you know, Mal Hemmerling especially, who um, is still... Um, quite prominent within Adelaide, within councils, and um, he was a great interview because he was there from the beginning with John and he was a key ally. So, you know, that was a big um, disappointment, you know, to not be able to meet with um, the Premier at the time, and that would have been a great asset. But um, unfortunately, we're at the point now where um, some of that generation are passing on, and it's I've not been able to get to a few people who have passed away sadly, but there's been enough around to sort of fill the gaps. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. And till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.